Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our epistle lesson today addresses a topic that sometimes becomes more uh, focused on than others in the church. The charismatic movement was one that kind of bloomed very especially in the late 70s and late 80s. I don't think it's as prevalent these days in our synod, although the remnants of it are still there. It's this understanding or this discussion of asking the question, what are spiritual gifts? In our text for today, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he addresses these things. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. He goes on to say that there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, and he lists those. Utterances of wisdom, utterances of knowledge, the speaking in tongues, the working of miracles, the healings, or the gift of healings and interpretations. What is this that Paul is speaking? I think as we consider this text, one truth that I've shared with you before, but I think can never be shared enough, is that in the study of scripture, context is always important. It's good to remember that pericopes should not be isolated. We might only read half a dozen verses, but that doesn't mean they should be taken in isolation. Far from it. Context is always key. What comes before? What comes after? What is the point of the letter? And of course, what is the overarching theme of Scripture? As just a side note and as an illustration, probably one of the books this is most critical in is the book of Job, if you've ever studied it. Job is that book, if you're sure you're familiar with it, Job is beset by all of these ills. Satan is allowed to give him diseases, takes his family from him, takes all his possessions, everything but his wife. And as he's enduring these, three of his so-called friends show up. And there are speeches by them that last chapter after chapter. And it sounds often very good advice. But in context, towards the end, we see a fourth man come up who rebukes the first three because their theology is wretched, which you wouldn't know unless you read the entire book. Likewise, here as Paul is dealing with spiritual gifts, it's good for us to understand in the context he is speaking. And the context specifically is Paul's discussion of the divine service. It begins in chapter 11, where he is discussing the proper, uh, the proper means of instituting and in celebrating the Lord's Supper. He moves on then to these spiritual gifts in chapter 12. Chapter 13, many are familiar with this chapter, is the chapter of love, focusing on how love is the chief gift. Indeed, love is the one that is over all things, including faith and hope, because God is love. And so God is love. Jesus, who is God, is love. And that is always the foundation. Because he first loved us, we love others. Because he loved us and granted us the gift of the Spirit, we have faith. And then he concludes and wraps up this portion of his epistle in chapter 14, where he talks about orderly worship and indeed makes the statement to pursue love, to pursue God, and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And then he lays forth why this is important. Because 
that, or especially that you may prophesy. The chief errors of the charismatic church, those who really kind of put forth a worst understanding of the charismatic gifts, I mean, I think you may remember these. These are the ones who would have the speaking in tongues. The, I mean, some of them go so far as to having poisonous serpents that they say they can handle without being, being denied or killed. And all of these things is that they misunderstand the purpose of spiritual gifts. Paul says it right here, prophesying. And what is prophesying? At its heart, prophesying, as I shared with you, I think it was last week or the week before, is the revealing of God's hidden love. We can see God's judgment clearly in the world. All people can see it. We saw it just the other day when we saw the tornadoes come through our state, or what was it? There was some type of hurricane that hit Iowa. That is always signs of God's judgment against the world. We can never be so specific as to say it's for one sin or another. But in general, natural disasters show us that God is angry with the world that has fallen, with the sins of all people. But what is not so obvious and is only revealed by the Word, He who is the Word made flesh and the Word which is given to us in the Scriptures, is that despite the fact that God hates sin, He still loves His creation and has redeemed us. And so prophesying is revealing that hidden will of God that he desires not the death of the sinner, as Jeremiah shared with us, but that the sinner repent of his sins and turn from his wicked ways and live. At the heart of it, what Paul is saying is that spiritual gifts is about the proclamation and the sending forth of the word of God. To, pay, to put it maybe a little too simply, but at least in the general idea, He's talking about evangelism, about getting the word out to the people who need it, those who are in the church who always need to hear the word of God to be strengthened, to be comforted, and those who are outside the church who have yet to hear or who have forgotten. And so Paul lays forth this down in a way that shows us the proper understanding of gifts. And as I'll discuss in just a moment, spiritual gifts are things that flow from faith. They are not things which prove faith. And this is the second error. You see, often in a church that really strongly has such visible manifestations of the Spirit which they think must be there, these gifts of the Spirit become signs of those who are quote-unquote true Christians. If you're a true Christian, then you should be speaking in tongues. You should be doing miracles which bring healing. You should be doing all these things. But that's not the case. Much like miracles, which do occur in this, still occur in these days, they are things which flow from faith, not prove it. As one who is a child of God, when you see good things happen, especially those things maybe we can't fully understand or explain, we know by faith that that is God's hand at work. We can see his love in our lives. Our faith sees the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts don't show us our faith. It's also true that yes, the Lord does provide spiritual gifts in different measures. Paul makes this clear, not all have the same spiritual gifts. 
in this section is where he talks about how the church is like a body, how not everyone can be a hand or everyone be an eye. If everyone was an eye, how could we speak? If everyone was a hand, how could we see? And so we all have different gifts according to the needs of God and the proclamation of the word. Yet some would say the outpouring of these gifts in different ways as meaning that one is of greater importance than others. These are churches that put emphasis on those who are especially skilled. Yet at its heart, there is no difference before God between men and women, between all people. For we are all equally sinners. We are all equally under the curse. We are all equally ones who disobey God in thought, word, and deed. And indeed, we are all equally saved by the same Spirit. Because at the end, the spiritual gifts are not chiefly about this material life. It's not about righting those problems we have because we are in a fallen world. It is chiefly about spiritual things, about the proclamation of the gospel, about the outreach to those who are in need, about the inreach to those who are in God's house. Paul makes this very clear again as he shares and lists first of all where spiritual gifts spring forth. He makes a clear distinction. He begins with this point, that therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The very foundation of all of this is faith. And I know he mentions faith later, and I'll, I'll talk about there's a slight distinction in the listing of the gifts. But it begins with the fact that all either have faith or not. The Spirit who dwells in you, first and foremost, creates in you the ability to call Jesus your Lord. That comes not from your own knowledge. It comes not from your own power. It comes not from your own decisions. It comes from the gift of God, which is poured out on you through the means of grace. And now among those who proclaim Jesus is Lord, this is where the Lord gives the various gifts. Yet in the spreading of the gospel, not all have the same task. So let us consider these gifts that he specifically mentions. He begins with the utterance of wisdom and the utterance of knowledge. These are very, very close gifts, but at the end of the day, they are slightly different. For the utterance of wisdom is the preaching of the gospel, whereas the utterance of knowledge is the teaching of the gospel. And while these often go hand in hand and they're very much an overlap, there is a distinction. I would share with you this example. For those who have ever, who have ever been to the seminary or one of our uh, theological schools, one of our Concordia universities, you know that there are many ordained men who serve in those roles as professors. And while many of the professors would be great as pastors and have a gift of being that preaching, I will also share with you, there, there are those who, quite frankly, are much better in the seminary than in the parish. Their gift is one of teaching. They have great discernment in the Word of God, and they can pass that teaching on to those who will be going out to preach the Word. Likewise, there are many of us who are in the parish who are preaching, who are, sharing, who are proclaiming the Word of God, yes, who teach Bible classes, but at the end of the day, 
are not apt to be professors, to teach future pastors. There are different callings. Paul then talks about those who are given the spirit of faith. Again, context tells us this is not saving faith. He already put forth that he is already addressing those who have saving faith. No, this is that faith, that proclamation, that confidence in God, even in the worst of situations. And quite frankly, he's specifically talking about those who are martyred. Those who, as they are bound to the stake and have the flames roaring up and burning their very flesh, are still singing praises to God and forgiving those who are killing them. Think of Stephen who even as the stones are descending, pray to the Lord that he would not hold the sins of those who are attacking him against them. And then there is the gifts of healing. To be sure, the Lord provides miraculous healing. But here, in the context of the proclamation of the word, the gift of healing is not specifically about mending broken legs or healing broken hearts but it is about the comforting of the soul, the one who is poor, wretched, and blind, the one who is distraught by his sins, the one who is broken by what he has done. There is a difference between what I am doing right this moment in preaching the word of God and sitting at the bedside of one who is in need of hearing that comfort. Oftentimes they go hand in hand. Oftentimes they are gifts shared by one person. But as Paul puts forth, there are also times where there are distinctions. Those who have a gift of being with those who are, who are needing to be have, having someone by their bedside. Finally, we have these two about tongues, speaking and interpreting tongues. Probably the most misunderstood gift of God ever. For the word tongue in Greek is none other than languages. This isn't about receiving some heavenly language that no one can understand and can only be interpreted by another person in the Spirit. This is something that we do all the time. In fact, it's one of the great tasks that one of, our, uh, one of, the, one, uh, of the CLEF, Confessional Lutheran Education Foundation, with Pastor Fairman. He is one who, quite frankly, deals with speaking in tongues. His organization takes the word of God and translates it into languages of which it has never been translated, interpreting that language in a theological way so the word can go forth. And there are those who have gifts in languages. I would share with you that, yes, I know the Greek and sort of know Hebrew, I'll confess, not as well as I could, there are certainly other brothers of mine in this circuit who know those languages excellently. It's a privilege to be able to sit with them in our monthly conferences and have them share that knowledge. Dealing with languages is a gift. Some have it to a greater extent than others. Paul then shows that these indeed are the proper understanding and that there are times where the gifts have been variously manifested Specifically, he talks about miracles, prophecies, and tongues. The very beginning, miracles and tongues especially manifested them in unique ways. You had the apostles who were in the upper room who suddenly knew languages which they had never spoken. And that they spoke in ways that others understood in their own native languages. Luke records this three times in the book of Acts. But we do not expect this to happen anymore. Again, 
The apostles were given the ability to call upon miracles, specific miracles. Yes, physical healings, even a resurrection from the dead, to be a sign that they were the ones entrusted with the word of God to be placed in writing for the generations to come. Not all have the same gifts. Not all share the word of God in the same way. There are those among God's people, moving beyond the office of the ministry, who are comfortable sharing their faith with others. There are those who, in the midst of adversity, will show that faith greatly, as the martyrs did, proclaiming their confidence even as death approaches. There are those who love to sit with others and share the word of God. There are others who might be not as comfortable doing that. Yet at the end of the day, we all share the same spirit, the spirit of forgiveness, the spirit of love. At the end of the day, there is one gift which we all share as well, which is the gift of prayer and the ability to call upon our Lord for the sake of others, for the sake of ourselves, for the sake of our nation, and for the sake of church. So let us take heart. Whatever the manifestation of the gifts of our spirit is, whether we are ones who speak the word of God in season and out with our neighbors on every occasion, or whether we are ones who lift up our prayers in private devotion, know this, you are a child of God. You call upon the Lord as your Savior, and that gift of the Spirit shall never be taken from you. The Lord is gracious now and always. Amen. And we rise. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.